Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Chicago. What do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app. Use the promo code CHGO when you sign up. Oh, we got a full panel today. We're five wide. Greg Huss, prospect expert down in the corner. He's got his own screen. That's how important he is to our show. Ryan Herrera, Corey Friedman, Cody Del Mendo. I'm Luke Stuckmeyer. We've got uh, some CHGO shirts. We've got some obvious shirts going. Uh, We've got the last place Cubs to talk about. Sorry, didn't want to start that way, but that's the way it is. Obviously, we're going to talk prospects because Greg is here. Um, and we should start out by saying, Greg, first of all, Brendan said he loves you, and he, he's disappointed he's not here. Yeah, well, he's it's, never here. So. I'll, I'll just, I'll just uh, suck it up and have you guys. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get right to it, because first of all, when the team is in last place, and although first place isn't that far away, people start thinking about the future. Ways to either A, fix the current team, or B, fix the future team. So... A name that keeps popping up. Our guy Gary Ross in the chat is here every day. It's Gary, a just to get you and the Discord, just to get Gary off my back. <laughs> tell me about Jake Slaughter. Who is he? What can he do well? Jake Slaughter is well. First of all, I came prepared with all my Nick Madrigal content, so I don't know why you guys are, are not asking me about that first. Um, no, <laughs> Jake Slaughter Especially is from Corey. A, he, honestly, if not for Matt Mervis and what he has done over the past year and a half now we would be talking a whole lot more about Jake Slaughter and the come up that he's had um, from not being assigned to an affiliate to a full season affiliate last year out the gate. So now he's up in, in AAA Iowa doing really, really well. I know he has a, a double uh, in today's game that's going on right now for Iowa. Uh, plays second base, plays some third base. Um, uh, really, I, I think he's a fan favorite because he's scrappy as hell. Like I, we, we love the scrappy, the gritty type guys and Jake Slaughter is definitely one of those dudes. Uh, but he's just been mashing uh, for the last year and a half. Like I said, he's a little bit older for a traditional prospect. I think he's 26, 27. Um, but he's been really good with the bat. Yeah, I mean, Justin Steele's 27, too. I don't, unless the guy's 40, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. care what his age is if he can play baseball. Is he good enough to come in and A, be the utility guy the Cubs have been looking for kind of all season around the infield? Or B, is he the guy that could be good enough to be a long-term solution at third base. Is is he that quality of a prospect, or is he a guy that you're just looking for to have available and, and maybe he gets some playing time and proves something? I think you're dreaming on a scenario where he can be a good bench bat, um, where he can be that utility guy. Uh, that's the I think that's the... the the best, like the peak outcome from Jake Slaughter is is that bench uh, utility type player. He can play some second, third. You could probably put him in the outfield and he'd be just fine, um, really. Uh, I, I don't think that you're looking at Jake Slaughter as the answer to third base. I don't think that he, having Jake Slaughter, Slaughter in the system keeps you from going out and bidding for Matt Chapman in the offseason or whatever that might be. 
Um, I, I'd much rather see Chris Morrell be as your as your starting third baseman than a guy like than counting on a guy like Jake Slaughter. But I, I don't want that him not being the answer at third base to take away from the fact that he, he could be a decent bench guy. Um, and for that position, it seems like it's all about like being able to buy in, right? Nick Madrigal, I, I joke about him, but like he was a guy who was a, a first round draft pick and and uh, came up with the White Sox as a heralded prospect and stuff like that. It's tough to transition into being like a bench bat, a bench guy that's playing two or three times a week, maybe, you know? Um, so it's, it's can Jake Slaughter buy into that? And I think that, that he might be able to. He's got, like I mentioned, he's got, he's that scrappy guy. Uh, guys that are, that are doing that are maybe transitioned to the bench a little bit better. Um, you mentioned like the, uh, you know, th- how you, how Morrell, you think that he play, he could play a better third base than Slaughter. You, you watch, you watch Morrell while he was down there. Why, why, why haven't the Cubs given him an opportunity at third base at, at all? He didn't give, they didn't give him a, a, a chance at third base when he was in Iowa. He was playing the outfield there too. So I, I, I don't know, honestly, I, I don't have an answer for that. I'm, I don't think necessarily that, that Christopher Morrell is absolutely a better defensive third baseman than Jake Slaughter, but Christopher Morrell clearly has way more upside than what, what, what we can see from Jake Slaughter. That's not even a knock on Slaughter at all. It's just like we know the upside with, with Morrell. So I'd yeah. rather get him in. But I, I've been on record saying that like, I prefer Morrell as a utility guy too, more of like a playing almost every day utility guy, less of a bench bat utility guy. There's two differences between those two things, obviously. But um, I yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why there was the hesitancy to to play him at third base during his time in Iowa. You, I want to go back to Morrell. You mentioned him in the first answer, and obviously just right now. Um, with him and with Mervis coming up, and, and I think we all agreed, like, when they when they finally pulled those levers, like it was time for the Cubs to do that. Time to see what these guys have uh, at the big league level. Mervis hasn't re- like Morrell obviously had that electric first. I don't know, 12, 13 games, whatever it was. Matt Mervis hasn't really had that. Had a little bit of like a, a boost for a few games there, but now over the last week, like both have struggled. Especially when they, I mean, Morrell came in the game as a bench bat yesterday, struck out. You know, Mervis um, just hasn't really figured it out yet. I'm I'm just curious, like your overall, like those two guys specifically, but in general, just seeing prospects that are mashing at the AAA level when they come up, just how difficult is that transition, even for guys that are, are really exciting and are really killing it at that level? Yeah, I feel like, I, I don't know this for sure, but like thinking off the top of my head now, I, I feel like right now feels like the most difficult time, a biggest the biggest transition from AAA into the major leagues. And I think that... Because they waited to call up Matt Mervis, like it pisses me off. They waited until when it was absolutely necessary to call up Matt Mervis to actually give him the call. Because now he gets called up, and we're dying on him to contribute to the big league team, right? Like it's it feels way more necessary. He's supposed to be the guy that kind of injects some life into this lineup. That's not fair to him, dude. Like that 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 is not fair to a guy that has yet to experience the major league level, right? So whether that is starting off the year on the opening day roster or getting some some time on the major league roster at the end of last year, like that could have been been his adjustment period. Is is kind of getting acclimated to the major league major league squad and major league pitching and stuff like that, um, taking his lumps and then getting used to it and falling into. A, more comfort i guess you know because right now we're experiencing like he he's, he can't come up and, and absolutely mash right away and i i think the fans were actually better than i expected in terms of like 
not expecting too much from Murphys right mm-hmm. now, which I was shocked. I, I thought that like he would come up and fans would lose their freaking minds if he didn't like produce a uh, 1,000 OPS plus or more than a, a 1,000 OPS uh, right out the gate, you know? So I'm pleasantly surprised with that, I guess, but like you can't expect too much from that, you know? Yeah, I think that's one of the traps that a lot of people fall in. It's just like they see the numbers at AAA and then like just kind of forget how just how tough that transition to the, to the big leagues really is. Like those numbers in AAA, the good ones don't really translate, especially not right away. Morales, a little bit of a different story, but yeah. yeah Greg, <laughs> you kind of answered a question that I was thinking in my head for you is what is, in, in your mind, what's the ideal way – to develop and bring up a prospect because we see we see the Mervis situation we've seen Morell come up and my knock on what they've done with Morell is sort of everybody wants him to be Ben Zobrist and I don't think defensively he's mm-hmm. Ben Zobrist at any of those positions so I would prefer to see them put him at DH and one position I know they need a utility guy but if the guy's not that player and you're still trying to develop him because he's in his low 20s, to me, that doesn't seem like the right way to develop him. So for you, what's the right way to develop a prospect and get them to be the major league player you want them to be? Yeah, uh, I'll cop out a little bit with this answer and say that it just it depends player to player. Right? I think that I think that honestly, the we haven't seen it come to light at the major league team yet, but I think that this development staff throughout the minor leagues is really good about catering development paths and catering their styles to the individual player. Um, I've talked with, with a few different guys in the, on the coaching staff down, down at the lower levels, and like they're very careful about like the, the way in which they talk to certain players, when they talk to them, how they talk to them, how many things they're working on simultaneously, like all of that stuff, like they're very, very careful about that. I think that's important because like not every player plays the same way physically. Not every player is the same between the years. It just, it depends on the guy. So I I think with a guy like Matt Mervis, right? I think, I think it does make sense to call him up, let him take his lumps, let him get used to what the thing, what it's looking like at the major league level and then get better versus Christopher Morrell. It might've been better to send him back to start him in Iowa to begin the year and absolutely take off and perform super, super well, and then ride that hot streak into the major league call-up. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I think it just depends on the player. And honestly, with, with Mervis and Morrell, while we're talking about these two guys, I think they've actually done a pretty decent job of like handling that and catering it to the specific player. Like it, It's still to, to be determined, I guess, in the long run, but it feels like they've treated each of those guys differently and it might line up with the way that they are as a person and a baseball player. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, can I ask about Kate Horton yet? Or <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. We want to talk ahead. about yes. We can keep talking about the major league guys that have come up and stuff, but we got a guy who struck out nine people yeah. last night, so I need to hear Greg's <laughs> thoughts on this. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> and that's he, it. That's all you got to say. He's, he's glowing. Say. Greg is glowing. That's the next obvious shirt. Uh, you, you got dude, a question or do yeah. you just dude, go on and on and on about Kate Horton? Because I can do that for sure. Yeah, wax poetic about Kate Horton. All right, man. So uh, <laughs> what we saw from Kate Horton last night with the nine strikeouts is, I mean, I, I think that we're seeing a little bit different picture than what we saw with Kate Horton to begin this season, where to begin the season, he was down in Myrtle Beach. He was in single A. Um, very clearly better than every single hitter he was going up against. Like it, w- it wasn't even close, really. Um, he was 
just throwing fastballs down the middle, um, the slider he would throw out of the zone, and that's all he needed to do, right? That was enough to get the job done at single A. Um, he came up to South Bend, he got promoted up to high A, and since he got called up, he is just like he, he struggled in his first first game or so, and he just got it really figured out now. Um, he's got still got the fastball, but he's living on the edges a little bit more. The slider's still pretty good, but he's introduced this new curveball, and that's what's kind of piqued my interest is the curveball that he's been throwing more, uh, a lot more like vertical downward movement on the curveball, and that's what's been getting a lot of swings and misses in these past few starts. So um, I think that it will always always a point of conversation with every single pitching prospect, but the ability to like differentiate between the movement on the slider and the movement on the curveball is super, super important. And uh, that's going to be important for Cade as it continues because we know how good this, the slider is. Like that, That's why he was drafted where he was because he, he came out of nowhere with that slider. Yeah. Um, so being able to continue to incorporate that with horizontal movement, with the curveball, with downward movement is super, super important. I, I'm just, I, I, I think he's looked terrific. Um, let's not get carried away and say he's ready for double A yet. Um, may might he get a, a cup of a cup of coffee in double a at the end of the year yeah i think that's that's definitely possible especially because the way that cubs tend to do that with in the minor league system like to get get them a cup of coffee with the next affiliate they'll be at in the next year um so spending september in tennessee i don't think that's ridiculous to assume that um what do you think is like estimated time to one day be at beautiful historic Wrigley Field based off the the rise as fast as it's already begun I know when he was drafted you know it kind of got it was I I saw a lot of tweets from the smart people that I'm not Mm. you know saying like two years in the minors like kind of like how we've how we've seen uh Jordan Wicks because I do think we might see him eventually this year and he's been in the minors for a couple years right so is is 2025 still more like his his uh you know likely debut i i think that's fair i think to shoot around early 2025 i it's uh i think that brian smith posted on twitter or on one of his his articles over at bleacher nation recently describing cade as closer to a high school draft pick than a three-year college draft pick um and that's like super important because he he did go to oklahoma he is a college guy but like he didn't really pitch in Oklahoma <laughs> and he, he definitely didn't pitch well in Oklahoma until the college world series rolled around. So uh, in terms of development, like it's associating him with a high school draft pick is way like more on brand, I guess is way more spot on. Um, but yeah, I think a 2025 timeline for Kate Horton is pretty good. Uh, we got to remember that like, because he's tearing it up, like still be patient with him. Like he's going to reach the, the, upper levels of the minors and he's going to he's going to struggle like there's going to be parts like times where he does struggle um because there's more in single single a especially but even intermixed within high a a little bit there's more like guys that he saw during his time in college baseball in the sec in the big 12 in acc like there's more of those guys in the lower levels of the minors and so when you get up to double A AA and triple A, that's when you see like the really special players, regardless of if they make the big leagues or not. Like there's a there's a big separator between double A and high A baseball. So he's going to struggle. He's going to hit some 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 struggles once he reaches double A AA and triple A. But yeah, I think I, I don't know. Twenty twenty five seems about right. 
Yeah. Our friend, our friend uh, Niren in the chat had said that uh, something like, of course he's going to be good. He was in the College World Series last year. Uh, he's going to be good at high A or something like that. And um, so I guess my question is, uh, based off that, knowing how or knowing struggles will eventually come, right? I think we can, we can safely assume that for anyone in the minor leagues. But for a guy who didn't pitch much, in college, like it was pretty much just last year, I believe, and then didn't didn't make his pro debut until this season. Uh, I don't know. In your mind, as someone that watches prospects all the time, how impressive and like kind of unusual is a guy? Is it to see a guy that again hasn't pitched as much already, kind of doing what he's done, uh, going into high A and, and, and striking out a bunch of people? Yeah, he's a unique situation just because of the Tommy John um, and because of how he developed in college, like. This isn't this isn't a normal guy that you see in the college world series. Like this is not like this is not a, a typical college arm being drafted. Like I said, you know. So this is it's unique in a lot of ways, and I can't really associate with another. Like I, I don't I don't know I can't remember a situation like this happening with a Cubs draft pick recently. Now. You look at a guy like uh, Jackson Ferris, who's debuted mm. in Loway. He was the Cubs' second-round draft pick uh, last year. The Cubs saved some money on Cade Horton so they could go and, and draft uh, Jackson Ferris out of high school. Uh, and Jackson Ferris looks incredible. Like, Jackson Ferris, like, I could go on and on about Jackson Ferris almost as much as Cade Horton here. Um, I think that Jackson Ferris has kind of submitted himself as the fourth-best pitching prospect in the system uh, behind the big three of Ben Brown, uh, Cade Horton and Jordan Wicks. I think it's those three very clearly, whatever order you want to put those three guys in. And then number four is clearly Jackson Ferris in my eyes. Um, and I, I listen to arguments that he's in the top three too. Um, that's more of a, like that's more of a special circumstance, right? Where Jackson Ferris was drafted last year and we're already seeing him. We saw him in May up in full season ball. Like I know, I know it's a little different since they've cut the short season ball a few years ago in 2020, uh, but like this, that is not normal at all. Seeing a guy like Jackson Ferris come up and, and looking the way he does as a high school draft pick a year, less than a year after he was selected. Greg, your name gonna, is Jackson Ferris. Yeah. You got a good pitcher's name. So <laughs> yeah, this guy's going to shove one day a beautiful historic Wrigley Field. I'm <laughs> already yeah. convinced. It is a sweet name. Uh, <laughs> I'm concerned, by the way, about Justin Steele, which we're going to talk about later in the podcast. Stayed back, didn't travel with the Cubs, getting in an MRI on his elbow today, but. Greg, it, if I play gloom and doom in my head and I think at least he's going to miss the next start, Wesneski did a nice job yesterday coming in. You know, he's a guy that went down briefly, has come back. We thought he was going to be a reliever and threw a lot of pitches yesterday. Is Ben Brown at a place where if Steele missed at least one start, Ben Brown could come up and get his first look at the majors? Is it too soon to bring up Ben Brown? No, I don't think it's too soon. I, th I think that Ben Brown could come up, hold his own, um, especially if they're not play if if Steele goes on the IL, uh, they don't want Wesneski taking that rotation slot. I'd love to see Ben Brown called up and and be in that rotation slot for uh, a fairly extended period of time, right? I think that, I think that he's prepared for that. Um, he looks he looks pretty damn good, dude. Like he looks really good, um, and it's not just a matter of the pre-tacked baseballs that were in Double A Tennessee, like. He is looking really good for Iowa. I think he can come up and hold his own. He has two like plus plus pitches. Like the 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 breaking ball and his fastball are both really really good. Uh, yeah, man. I, I think he can come up and hold his own for sure. I, I it's gonna be interesting to see how the pitching staff gets handled at the major league level as we kind of progress through the year because 
I'm sure they don't want Ben Brown throwing 180 innings this year. Um, I'm sure this, they feel the same way about Wesneski. Um, and you could even say the same about Caleb Killian down in AAA right now, right? So, like, it's balancing those number of innings with some guys that even some guys that were recently converted to the bullpen that we're seeing. Like, we see Daniel Palencia um, thrown out of the bullpen. He's going one inning at a time for Iowa right now, uh, but he's a converted starter as of, like, a month ago. Uh, Luke Little is another guy that we could see in the major leagues. So those are, like, guys that will not be used as starters in the big leagues, but they could balance some, like, if Ben Brown's going consistently four innings, instead, like, they're only letting him go four innings, then maybe you have Palencia going two innings, you know, and, and, like, consistently doing that so you're not eating as many innings out of some of these young guys. Interesting. Good to hear. One of one of the um, the the most – the parts of the team that gets people the most riled up, more, Cubs Cubs fans the most irate, has been the bullpen this season. Um, and you know, Gary's in the chat asking about <laughs> asking about Cam Sanders or Daniel Palencia. Cody Hoyer is another guy who's nearing the end of his rehab, very close to coming back back up to help the team. So those those three guys specifically, uh, what have you seen from them? The AAA, especially Cody uh, in his you know rehab assignment but what have you seen from them what what do you think are maybe the timelines for them and for sanders and palencia specifically what what do they have left to do at triple a before they kind of get that call because i know you know daniel palencia just transitioned and sanders has kind of been on the radar since even last season so what do those guys have to do specifically um sanders needs to stop walking guys <laughs> uh I, I, it, it seems pretty clear with cam sanders on like he might be the most straightforward of the bunch uh, well, Cody Hoyer, it's when, he, when he's healthy, when he's got yeah. That could be any time here soon. Yeah. We see Co- Cody Hoyer make his way up to the big. So he's probably the most straightforward. Uh, besides that, Cam Sanders is the, mo- is the second most straightforward. If he stops walking like half the guys he sees, then he will be up in Chicago, right? Like, the stuff is really good. He can generate strikeouts. Um, he has two really, th- actually three really good offerings, in my opinion, um, that he can use out of the bullpen. I, mm-hmm. I think we can see Cam if he stops walking guys. Um, the other there's three other names we already mentioned daniel palencia and luke little two guys that were converted to the pen um i think the timeline on them is like second half of the year that we could see them in chicago um but i think they both like could could absolutely be there in chicago this year and then the third guy that i think is ready right now and he's an actual prospect is bailey horn uh bailey horn has been terrific like really really good for iowa he's a lefty which is fun he's a lefty he's got um, a fastball that rides up there uh, mid, I think it's touching like, I think 97 on the gun. Um, but the slider, the, the, the sweeper slider is very, very good. He's got a curveball to go with it. Uh, Bailey Horn is like my guy. I really like Bailey Horn quite a bit. I think that we could see him soon. I, I think once different experiments are done with some of these major league bullpen arms, <laughs> veteran guys, I think once they cut bait on them officially, I think Bailey Horn, we will see him up in Chicago like soon. Cool. Uh, we did. We did have a super chat earlier uh, yeah, that was for Greg uh, asking furious if Jeff. you can speak on I'm furious. Yes, Jeff. furious Jeff speaking on BJ Murray, who is currently sporting a nine eleven OPS for Tennessee. Yeah, uh, BJ Mor- Murray has been. He was. He, he probably will take home the Cubs minor league hitter of the month in May once that's announced. Either him or, Ch- or Chase Strumpf. They both had phenomenal uh, months of May. Uh, BJ Murray has gone from a guy that we were kind of dreaming on, like like true prospect nerds like me were dreaming on to kind of take off a little bit. So now he's like, I, I feel like I saw him everywhere being mentioned on Twitter. So I, I, we talked about on, on our podcast on Cubs on Deck uh, this past week, me and Brian uh, talked about some underrated prospects in the system. Um, and 
when we sought out fans and, and asked who they thought were the most underrated guys in the system, BJ Murray was mentioned the most. And I laughed at that a little bit because it's like when I when I as a prospect guy hop on Twitter, that's all I see is BJ Murray everywhere. So I don't know how a guy that's everywhere can be that underrated. But like I think he's like firmly planted himself as a top 30 prospect in the system for sure. Um, I this is a little bit of a deeper cut, I guess. Um, but I associate what he's doing this year a lot with what we saw from a guy called a guy named Nelson Maldonado last year, um, where Maldonado, like BJ Murray, was in double A Tennessee and absolutely tearing it up. And then he got called, Maldonado last year got called up to Iowa and really struggled. Um, the thing with Maldonado was like his carrying tool was that he hit the crap out of the ball. Like he, he, his hit tool was very, very good. BJ Murray's carrying tool is the fact that he puts together some of the best at-bats in the system. He walks a ton. Um, his strikeout rate is, is not too bad. He just works counts really, really well. The problem with Murray is if he gets called up to Iowa and that like walk rate goes from 19%, which is outrageously high right now, even down to like 11%, like 10, 11%, like he doesn't bring the same value that he once did. But I would much rather bank on that trait than a hit tool trait, right? I'd much rather bank on a guy who can generate really good at bats. He's been really damn good. Like the power is coming around, which is terrific. Um, I think he looks pretty pretty decent over at third base, which coming into the year, he was a guy who really just did not have a position at all. Uh, him being able to man third base is really, really important. Him showing off some power is important. Um, I, I, I like B.J. Murray a lot. I think that it's about time for him to go up to, to uh, AAA Iowa. Honestly, it might coincide uh, with a Jake Slaughter call up to the big leagues. Um, because that leaves third base open for for BJ Murray to go up to Iowa. So uh, I've liked what I've seen. It's just I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic with BJ Murray. <laughs> um, not to go back to major league guys, but Miguel Amaya has yeah. been in Iowa yeah. for a little bit, and uh, you know two for two today. We, yeah, uh, Craig Craig Brindle in the chat says that he's two for two with two RBIs and a walk so far today. So I it's and it's not the first day where I've seen him having good days in Iowa. And obviously, there's been a lot of complaints about Tucker Barnhart as far as the offense goes. Um, and I think he really did pleasantly surprise a lot of us in the emergency situation uh, when he got called up because I, honest, coming into the year, I did not see him being on the Cubs at least until the second half of the year. So uh, my question is, is how many – what, what would you guess how many more at-bats the Cubs want him to get at that level? Because I was looking at the other day, I think – double a and triple a combined he's just a, a little over 100 for the year and so i it's whenever not. he was on the major league team it was you could see he was a little overmatched in in some in some at bats in, in my opinion so in your opinion how many more do you think he needs at iowa for him to get back to the cubs um i, I don't know an exact number i just i just know that he has gone the past few years, he has gotten very, very few at-bats. So right. if you're calling him up to the major leagues, you're calling him up to be the starting catcher in Chicago. Like, it's it's not it's not him splitting time with Jan Gomes. It's not him uh, uh, splitting time with Tucker Barner. It's, it's him as a starting catcher. So Jan Gomes has to go down with an injury. Um, or they just they, – I, I don't I, I don't see it's a, a scenario where Tucker Barnhart goes away and then they call up Miguel Amaya. I mean, I, I – he needs to get as many ABs as humanly possible. Um, and I think that he can do that in Iowa. I don't know that he can do that in the big leagues. 
and I know that he looked really good and he's looked tremendous in Iowa. It's less about like how he looks. It's more about just like getting the constant reps um, because he's just missed so many at bats because of injury the past few years, you know? So um, yeah. like, that's not a knock on his development at all. Because you look at it, like, he's still for a catcher. He's still a young guy and like well ahead of pace for like when a catcher typically debuts in the major leagues, you know? I mean, like, Unless you're Joe Maurer or Buster Posey, like you're not you're not debuting in like your younger twenties in the big leagues, you know. So um, he's still way ahead of schedule as far as that goes. I just want to see him just as long as he can get consistent at bats. That's what's like the most important for for Miguel Amaya. I I think at this point, like he has submitted himself as like a top ten prospect in the Cubs system again, which is coming into the year he was not close to that. I, I think that he was at least like I, I think between twenty and thirty range in terms of prospect rankings. Yeah. Just because they didn't know, like, we didn't know how he would return from that injury. Returning from Tommy John as, as a catcher is not an easy thing to ask, you know? Um, so for him to be a top 10 prospect in the system, I think if he continues doing this in Iowa and stays as a prospect, I think by the end of the year, you're talking about a guy that's, like, flirting with, like, top 100s again. Because we know he had the pedigree as being a top 100 guy in the past. So, like, why can't he do that again at the end of this year if he con- continues to succeed? Yeah, I also think the Barnhart decision... Um, I think the Cubs really value just the catcher depth in the system. I mean, what Bryce Windham just came back a couple weeks ago from injury. Dom Nunez is hurt right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, They have a fourth catcher down there. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, But he's young. I know that. He's, like, barely older than I am. Yeah, Jake Washer, barely older than I am. And obviously, like you said, Amaya, very few at-bats. Yeah, very few at-bats has had his share of injuries. I do – tend to think that like especially with this more focus on the soft factors defensive catcher stuff that they really value the depth I mean whatever level of depth that having Tucker Barnhart brings the bat is obviously not there I mean Corey is he still below John Lester's WRC plus in 2019 oh yeah I would think so now, <laughs> now he's he's not alone in that I have to check I think oh, yeah. Miles I think Miles is with him so I don't want oh, it to man. seem like I'm just dragging Tucker down there yeah but. so the bat's not there obviously but I do think the Tucker Barnhart decision does hinge on how they feel about the catching depth, regardless yeah. of Amaya or not. I, I think that that Maya, Amaya is directly related to Jan Gomes. I think Tucker Barnhart is like his decision is related to another, like Bryce Windham or something like that. Um, I don't, I, I just, I don't see the Cubs trotting out Jan Gomes and Miguel Amaya as their two catchers. I just don't think it makes sense for his development. I don't think it makes sense for the big league squad right now. I just, I don't. I don't see that happening, I guess. Yeah, Greg, I know you've got to run, but I want to ask one more question. I hate to end this on a negative note, but that's what I do. Uh, Buzzkill. What the heck is going on with Brennan Davis? Because if you just look at the box scores and the numbers, uh, you'd think, well, something's not right. So what what's going on with him? Yeah, so I wrote something over at Northside Bound uh, last Check week about Brennan Davis and kind of how he relates in terms of stat cast numbers um, to the major league level, right? We see the stat cast numbers thrown, away, thrown, thrown around there all the time with major leaguers. We are seeing stat cast numbers um, in AAA now, which is like so much fun for me as a nerd, as a stat nerd, as a prospect nerd, love it. Um, but with Brennan Davis, it just it's so much different from, than what we've seen from him in the past where he is striking out a very, like very few amount of times. Um, and he's not chasing balls. So, like coming into this year, besides the health, one of the biggest concerns we had with Brennan Davis was his ability to make contact with fastballs that are up and in and his ability to or his inability to make contact with sliders 
that are out of the zone, right? He would chase the sliders out of the zone a lot. So what we're seeing this year from him is that he's doing neither of those things. He's making contact at a much better rate on those fastballs and on breaking balls, and he's laying off those sliders out of the zone way, way more. So that's the positive. I, I've gone this far without saying the fact that his slash line is really, really ugly, right? His, the numbers, he, like the production this year is just not very good. Um, but we're seeing, like, it's very clear to me that, like, when we talk about, like, development not being linear, I think we associate that with a guy, a guy like Ian Happ, right, where he came up to the big leagues, he needed to go through some adjustments, and he went back down and then came back up. Or we look at a guy like David Bodie, who was an organizational-type guy forever in the minors until he, like, broke out. When we say development isn't linear, it doesn't always have to be associated with a guy like that. It could be like Brennan Davis where, like, hey, he's working on that chase rate right now. That's what he's working on, number one. And then once he gets that figured out, which he's showing he does have the ability to do that, he can then reincorporate that power back into the mix because we know he has that athleticism. We know he has the raw power. So it's like just working on one or two things at a time before you're ready to merge them all into one complete player. So um, I'm not I'm not too awful worried. Obviously, I want to see the production there. Like I, I think that like, we need to see numbers at some point, but at least there is some sort of like light in this tunnel. You know what I mean? I don't think it's. I don't think what we're seeing from him is the worst thing that could ever happen. I, I'm happy that he's healthy. Um, I'm happy that he's improved on some elements of his game. I just want him to now produce at the level that I know he can. Greg Haas, we in. love you. We love you, Greg Huss, even more than even Brendan does. Uh, Greg Huss, you can read his work at Northside Bound, and you can also follow him on Twitter, Out of the Vines. Uh, Hope to have him on sometime very soon again. Hell yeah. Uh, Greg, so we appreciate it. We'll see you soon, and keep us posted. If we need to know about somebody, just shoot us a message. Just shoot us a message. I got you. I got you. I'll let you guys know. I appreciate it. Just get me all hyped up. I'm ready to be heard again. Let's do it. (laughs) You know what I do best. Yep. (laughs) Thanks, Greg. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Greg. Take care, guys. Guys, I want to tell you about Pins and Aces. I'm getting ready for the weekend with Pins and Aces, the official golf apparel partner of All City and CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear. Tons of compliments on and off the course. They are a family-owned golf and apparel business. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, even our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag, keeping them cold the whole round. Check out pinsandaces.com. Use the code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and free shipping that's pins and aces.com cody's got one check Man. it out that's one of the lids yeah the hats are real comfortable and they're like breathable they look yeah like it doesn't like make me super sweaty if that makes any yeah, sense it's breathable it lets a little yeah. air through because some of my other hats like especially on a day like today i'll just sweat because i'm a bigger dude and like you know like, I don't know how to explain it. The units out there know, man. Like, you, you understand what I'm putting down. And so these hats help with that. So, sure. Very nice stuff. <laughs> and what, you know, you wear your pins and aces gear. And then while you're online, you also go ahead, get yourself a diehard membership to CHGO. Very important. $79.99 a year or six sixty seven a month. You get the free shirt from our dope merch locker when you sign up. You can match those beauties Cody. right here. You yeah. can choose from. That. Look at that. I need to get me a CHGO shirt. We, we didn't get the memo. I didn't know it was hockey day. Yeah, apparently. Well, again. Cody and I coordinate. Again, I, I'm wearing pink shorts, and so the only thing that really goes well with pink is black. 
at least with the shoes that I wear. It's all about the vibes. I right? do think that's one of our better shirts, though. Yeah, this one. This one. Of the hockey ones, that one's my favorite. I, think I, I look pretty good. Yeah, I ended up, I I ended up taking yeah, advantage sure. of our Memorial Day weekend sale. <laughs> so did I. Got a couple <laughs> baseball tees coming in on top of the, I got the new Bears shirt as well. So, yeah, I got man. the new gray Northside Cubs one. Yeah. Coming. Oh, it's, it's, it's coming. It's uh, coming. You get a free shirt when you sign up. Plus, every year after that, you get one, too. 20% off <laughs> merch always. 20% off all events. Die Hard only Discord. And, of course, the prestigious... Die Hard card, which, again, feel free to throw it anywhere in the world, throw it down, and people know you're serious. Mm-hmm. You know, that, yeah. that's, that's how you let people know you're serious. You throw that down, that's like throwing down one of those gold uh, cards from one of the credit card companies that only, like, you know, the few people have. <laughs> throw that Die Hard card, that's like throwing a Trump card over the top. Not Donald Trump, a Trump <laughs> card. <laughs> Not to get political. <laughs> this this show political? No. No. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, it'll never get political. Anyways, diehard yeah. card. It'll impress people, trust me. Maybe Changes you got a high lives. school reunion you gotta go back to. Yeah, make sure you get that diehard account. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your parents, siblings, anyone that yeah. you know. Make sure you know, if you become a diehard, then you can just be in the CHO Cubs Discord as well. Like oh, yeah. it's always popping in there. I don't get to be in there as much as I want just because I have so many things going on. I still have to get Luke. Yeah, I'm getting at least I'm there. Like I'm, I'm, I'm reading the stuff. Um, yeah. The Cubs get back yeah. to 500. Luke will download Discord. Well, I've had to distance myself from Gary a little bit. <laughs> getting a little aggressive. We get 100 I'm likes on the show today. I love you, Gary. See, Luke we found out about slaughter. Well, the didn't Discord. We? First question: is, Slaughter. The Discord is the reason that I met up with Matt Gregory last weekend there or is, last yeah. Friday. Oh yeah, how'd that go? I never heard. We met. Uh, I met up with him at Murphy's with his friend, and then there's another person that was in that's from the discord i i forgot their handle um but yes they were wearing a uh chgo skyline shirt nice and and matt was wearing like cubs gear because he went to the game uh it was the day the cubs just got absolutely brutally destroyed by the reds Mm -hmm. i believe but Mm -hmm. um or the mets whatever it it, it all mixes in but yeah (laughs) we you know we had a beer there and then Honestly, I, I hadn't ate anything all day, so then I went with him to Small Cheval and got a burger. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. I saw a picture of Gary at the game the other day. Gary was there. Who also bought a Northside right? and Ivy shirt. Thank you, Gary. Nice. Well done. Who else was there? Braggs, I want to say. Oh, Braggs, yeah, Braggs was in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was across the street. I was celebrating a friend's birthday. I was at Smoke Daddy. Mm, uh, nice. and so I watched the game, honestly, on the big board. Nice. In Gallagher Way from Smoke Daddy across the street. Nice. So we're waiting to hear... What's going on with Justin Steele? He leaves after three innings, and it's his elbow, we believe. They call it forearm tightness, usually associated with the elbow. Here's a guy who had Tommy John in 2017 on that elbow. My question for you is, not knowing the results yet, did the Cubs handle his situation correctly in your mind? Not knowing all the facts, was it handled correctly the way they took him out of the game? What do you think? I'll let you guys go first because I think you're all, especially Corey, because I, I don't well, really no, have much I, of an opinion. Especially Brendan, but he's I generally don't really have much of an opinion yet because if Justin Steele himself legitimately said it was precautionary, then like, I'll, I'll believe him until we get more news. Yeah, I mean, we obviously have to see, and 
this is one of those situations where I'm not talking to Justin Steele. I'm not in the clubhouse. Right. Of course, there is plenty that we don't know. I'm also not a doctor, right? Uh, Brendan, Brendan is a doctor. Oh, Brendan's the doctor. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes play one on TV, but not in a while. <laughs> um, my thing, though, like, and, and you and I talked about this yesterday, Luke, like, the information that we saw and that we have was that Ross and the trainer saw something they didn't like that warranted them making the trip to the mound, right? When you see a guy shaking the arm, right? Never good. No, right? I went back Almost and watched it last night. Always you could see what was going on. And if, if, if they saw it and they went out there, I get, we, we know Justin, we know who Justin Seal is, right? He's a gamer. Yep. He wants to push mm-hmm. through it. He, and and I, I don't fault players for that, right? I don't expect them to necessarily be honest. They're competitors, right? They're in the heat of the moment. He wants to compete. That's the type of guy he is. That's what's gotten him to this point and the success that he's having. This is just one of those things where he is extremely valuable to this yeah. team. He is extremely valuable to this franchise. If they feel, if they felt like there was something to warrant going out there, they saw something from the dugout, you have to be the, you know, for lack of better phrase, like the cliche, like you have to be the adult in the room. And you have say to be the guardian. You have to be the guardian. That's what they're there for, right? Justin mm-hmm. wants to pitch. Yeah, he doesn't. He, I, I, unless he is in so much pain, he is just not the type of guy that's going to say, "Yeah, I'm done for the day." Like, let's just let's not risk it. You you have to be the people that say, "Hey, your your longevity, your career, your arm, too valuable to you, this franchise, this team." Let's. This isn't the World Series. Let's get Hayden in there. Come out today. We'll check it out. But again, of course, I'm not in the conversations. I don't know. It's easy to say, you know, as I'm watching on my TV, but it's just one of those things where guys get paid a lot of money to manage the team, protect the team, take care of the team. If they saw something, they they have to, I, I think step in and prevent it from getting worse because i mean you see it in the chat the discussion that people are having the worry that Uh we have in terms of worst case scenario we'll never know if that would have been prevented had they taken him out when they made that trip right maybe if he's hurt he's already hurt that's the other thing right maybe it doesn't make a difference but what if it would have right that's what they're there for he came out and they had one out in the first it was so i went back when i went back and watched it it's so subtle J.D. didn't notice in the broadcast. All of a sudden, everybody was like, oh, David Ross is coming out. Even Steele was, like, kind of caught off guard. It looks as though Ross is the one who notices that he's clenching and squeezing his yeah. hand. I'm sure Ross has seen that. Trying to, fl- trying to flex yeah. it. And somehow he saw it. Right? Like he and he, at, gave right. One, he gave one just, like, shoulder shake. Uh-huh. But when I watched it, I thought, well, that could have just, he was just adjusting his jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Ross saw something. And clearly, Steele tells him whatever he wants to hear, because Ross walks away, all right, go get him. The quote from Steele after the game as it tightened up on me was kind of throbbing a little bit, but obviously want to keep competing and pitching. That's what you're talking about, Corey. When I hear the word throbbing, I asked a, multiple people last night, and this is not to set panic into the system or into Twitter. I'm saying ask multiple people with lots of experience in the big leagues. You ever hear of throbbing and an elbow ever turn into something good? 
No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Yeah. So that, that concerns me. A, that he didn't tell his manager the truth. Yeah, which is uh, that's understandable, I, I don't, but then not. I, yeah. You got, like Corey said, I do believe there's something to be said for got to know you got to know the guy you're talking to yeah. too so those next two batters scare me why well, and so i think that's that's a good point um as far as like justin's sort of role in the the decision like it's not one person's because, fault if he's hurt because we've talked to david ross in the past you know multiple times just about this day and age the baseball player are very good about being upfront about what they're feeling mm-hmm. and it's not that like justin Steele. He, he's lost tr- trust in Justin Steele now because Justin didn't tell him that maybe exactly what was going on. If that's, you know, what, what happened. If, right. It's just, you know, again, baseball players are a lot more upfront about what they're feeling. He goes out there, Justin tells him he's, he's not feeling it when he's throwing. It, it's nothing that bad. Um, and so Ross, tr- you know, he trusts that. And again, not that he's lost trust or anything, but it's just like, okay, my player's telling me what, what he's feeling um, with the trainer. It's not me making the call. It's the trainer making the call. And they feel comfortable letting him go back out there for the third inning. Um, and that's, that's when Justin even said uh, that it's whatever started was between the second and the third. Um, right. So it wasn't like it was the first two innings and they're kind of leaving him out there. It was like something happened. Put it on, they put it on Ross's radar. The trainers put it on his radar. Um, that's when they gave him word, but they were like, okay, like he, he's, they felt comfortable letting him go out there again. So he went out there, was it like, they got one out. Um, and then that's when they went and did the, had the meeting on the mound. So in that sense, it must've been Justin kind of still telling him, like, I'm not, I think Ross had said, like he said, he wasn't feeling any tingle or any like kind of shot down the arm and especially mm-hmm. not when he was pitching. Um, and, and so as that, a guy who's had Tommy John, he should know, might know more better than I would what it feels like. Yeah, exactly. So. So I think part of it is is trusting. Like yes, you should know your players, but you also have that trust that if a guy is really really hurting, he'll tell you that he's really hurting. Like he's not. Yeah. Like he like it's I think, I, be think a trust. I think Ross also trusts that his players are smart enough to know, especially a guy like Justin that is very important to the team, should know like if he's really hurting, they'll tell him. So I think I I don't I don't know if the decision was was handled right or wrong because I don't I, I don't know what how exactly how Justin was feeling at the time, um, but then Ross you know said as soon as he came out um, that he said that it, it went out that he let him go out there let him finish but his radar was way up and then just continuing to yeah. watch him pitch and to watch him kind of do a little keep through the flexing thing that yeah at, and I think it was a good thing that was it four pitches to get out of the inning after that like it didn't take him yeah. any more pitches but like right there even in those four pitches it seemed like ross just like his own opinion flip like even though the trainers felt comfortable letting mm-hmm. him go out there he just really didn't want to risk anything else and just got him out yeah. of there so i, I, mean, I my yeah go ahead my, my thing is just like if it's if it's on the radar yeah. like that, that to me and it's again I, even I'm, one I, more batter i'm not in there but again a guy who's who's had this surgery had surgery before and just too valuable to you in a game that is of no no consequence, right? Like every game matters, but like this is it's it, this isn't the World Series, right? Like this is not a game where you're risking life or death. If it was on your radar to be watching for something, I would have taken him out and just said, "Listen, like let's just get you out. Go take a rest. We'll take a look if we have to, but that's it." I, as a fan mm-hmm. who doesn't know all the information. If I'm hearing that it was on their radar, I don't like that it went any further than that. I don't. I don't like that the medical staff was comfortable letting him go back out there. Like, and I and I hope this is all nothing. I hope he's fine. Yeah. And he Barb misses said maybe dehydration one start. Like, like, like yeah. Like, Boy. hopefully that's yeah. 
hopefully that's the case. But as we were talking about yesterday, and we don't have to go down this long winding road, and the, you know, the positions and the medical staff have changed. Like this organization for the last several years has done stuff that to a casual observer doesn't make a lot of sense. Guys play through stuff all the time and then hit the IL, right? They sit on the bench and then hit the IL, you know, nine or 10 days later. I, like my favorite example was Ben Zobris playing with an obviously hurt wrist mm-hmm. and his OPS dropped, I think like 200 points in like a month or so span. And then they were like, yeah, he told us later that it was really painful for him when he batted from this side. It's like, shouldn't you guys know that? Like, I, you know, I, anyway. That's, that's one other thing is like, you, maybe you should know it, but also like you can't really feel, like I, you can't really feel for your sure. players, right? Yeah. If they're not telling you something's bothering them, not, you can't just like feel that for yeah, them, you know? Absolutely. You, you might see them like, have a little twitch or something and you ask him about it, it's like, oh no, it's nothing, it's, it's, you know, it's whatever. Like sometimes yeah. that happens and like you can only, as a, as a training staff, as a front office, as a coaching staff, you can only go with the information the guy tells you. Sure. You can't feel yeah. an injury. You can't feel soreness or tightness mm-hmm. or throbbing for just, like, you know, they can't feel it for Justin Steele if he's not telling them exactly what he's feeling. And again, I think that also goes to the, the point that like David Ross trusts his players. And he, I, I, again, I think he still does. I don't think this affects his trust in Justin Steele, but he trusts his players to let him know what's going on. But then on the flip side, Justin Steele is a competitor and maybe he doesn't want to come out of the game in the third inning. Like he wants to go out there and pitch. And then it gets to the point where Ross's radar is just too, it's too much. Yeah. Like I don't want to risk it anymore. Then we already just did. Right. Yeah. So I, it's it's very nuanced. So that's why I don't really, have a super strong opinion yeah. on it. But it's just yeah, if like it was on their radar, I wish they would have. For someone as important as Steele, mm-hmm. I would always prefer they err on the side of extreme caution, Which just because totally this, it, this franchise cannot afford him to be to have a significant injury. Yeah. And if you could have in any sense prevented it then I wish they would have. But we don't know if that even would have worked. So yeah. I'd argue I'd argue within in recent years at least that they've been better about avoiding like the Ben Zobers, the Chris Bryant like mm. nagging injuries where mm-hmm. they could have just put him on the I. L. but they let him play He's on through the IL it. again, by the way. Um, <laughs> is he really? Mm-hmm. Well yeah. like to that yeah. point real quick I'll let you finish, but it's also like even this season, Nico Nico and Cody, right? Yeah. And they they didn't play him the next three days. Like they gave him the three games off or whatever, just to see if a few days off will help him. And then they put him on the aisle, which people don't like. Whatever. That's the, that's the point of being able to backdate it. Is right. they had it goes guys, retroactive to yeah. when they yeah. got hurt. These guys yeah. felt something, but they're like, okay, maybe a few days they'll feel better, and we can play them. They weren't just like putting him right yeah. back in the lineup. Yeah. They like gave him the days. So, so I sorry to play devil's advocate to it is that I think in recent years they have been better about it, based off. What we can, what what me and Corey sure. and Luke can see, yeah. or at least me and Corey. So quick doomsday. We you all know, want Justin. The, the no, real... I want Steele to be ready to throw next week. <laughs> well, you asked the Brennan question. You're he's, the negative <laughs> energy today. He's easily one of the three most valuable players on your team. Easily, yes. easily, like to the future of the franchise. Well, I think his his season this year, so so far, has been like the most important. Yes. Of anyone really on like you know Marcus Stroman's had a great season mm-hmm. Dansby's had a you know people have been underrating his season I think he's had a good season but you his know, repeating last year yeah his doing what he did last year as far as the pitching side goes like that's been the most important for what the Cubs need for like their immediate future and even kind of long-term future as well so worst case scenario something's not good knock on wood it doesn't happen but because we're a podcast we can hypothetical all we want <laughs> If it's a serious elbow injury or or 
down the line becomes a serious elbow injury, like develops into that. You have two choices in my mind as an organization. Number one, you, you get him right as fast as you can, but you either, A, sign Marcus Stroman to an extension the next day for the future of the team, or B, you reset the whole damn thing and you trade Marcus Stroman while his steals, while his stock is as high as possible. What would you do? If steals actually hurt. It's, it's exactly as you laid it out. That would be the decision they would have to make. I mean, obviously, I would be in the position of extending him because, as you put it, the, de- the decision is either you extend him and you find a way to work around however long Steele may be out, if that's the case. Again, hoping it's not. Uh, if you proceed to the deadline and you're not winning games and you do end up trading Stroman, you have no frontline pitching. Zero. None. None. Zip. Unless and someone emerges. You would need someone you're, you're to emerge, on, yes. You're banking on some young guys who still have a lot of development. And some of them haven't even thrown a pitch at the major right. league level, right? right. So uh, you, you would have to be making that decision. If you traded Stroman, you have no frontline pitching. Let's hope it doesn't and you, and, and by default, unless Ben Brown comes up in the second half and you know, proves he's ready to be in the rotation and they give Hayden another shot or, you know, whatever, right? Different things. You you don't have the ability to rework an entire rotation in one off season. So you would have to be making those moves. Now, obviously you hope that Jamison Tyone improves. Last start was better, still not great, mm-hmm. but hopefully he, he trends the right direction. But as we saw last year, like Hayden Wisniewski was great. And we all wanted him to be a part of the rotation. It takes time. It's a process, right? So even if Ben Brown or some of these other guys came up and were lights out, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're ready to be a full-time member of the rotation next year and give you 30 starts, 180 innings. So you, in that scenario, you have to re-sign Marcus Stroman because you need someone you can rely on to do just that. Start 30-plus games, yep. 180, 200-plus innings, and actually be a top-of-the-line starter. Otherwise, you wouldn't have one. So by default, you are pushing, as you said, that timeline backwards. I don't see any other way around it. it, it I'm a worrier. I'm I, a big worrier. You, you put the steel thing to the side. Trading Marcus Stroman just doesn't make any sense to me in general. Right, that might be true regardless of right. steel, the decision on Marcus Stroman. Absolutely. And I said this on yesterday's pod, like, it, if the Cubs truly want to be a – if they truly want to – be more than just uh, if this happens or this happens or this happens, maybe we make the wild card or maybe we can win this shitty division. If they want to be more than that, like they have said, then trading Mark Stroman doesn't make any sense, whether Steele is okay or not. It just it just doesn't, in, in my opinion. We, we've all sat here, and for the most part, we're like, oh, these next few years, especially when we first started, 2022 in March, we were like, oh, you know, this 2022 is a, you know, exploring season. 2023, offseason, or going to offseason coming into this year, you know, they signed Swanson, they extend Nico and Hap, and they made all these moves to show that, hey, we care, we, we're trying to win games. I don't care how bad it gets. Like, they, they still, considering some of the young guys they got coming up and all the money that they have, like, 
that the, it, to me it doesn't make a lot of sense to just completely sell off. You, if you trade Stroman, I, it's it's a sign that you're 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 resetting. You're trying to do basically what you did mm-hmm. this year, next year, and like I'm sorry, that's unacceptable. Well, and if you if you trade a guy who's very been, who's been very open about like I want to stay. That's here. what I was going to say. I Again. want to. I would yeah. like you know. I, I want. I want to stay here and be a part of what they're building. If you mm-hmm. trade a guy like that who's who's pitching really well, who's pitching top tier mm-hmm. starting pitcher right now so far through the first two months of the year, if you go ahead and trade him in two months, then yes, the optics of like at that point it's like you might as well <laughs> you might as well trade Bellinger, you might as well trade you know, Smiley or you know, whoever it is because you are trading. Yes, you're, tra- you're probably your your best trade chip, but he's also a guy who's like could potentially be a part of this like short-term future of this team trying to get back to a playoff caliber level. And if you trade him, then you're it just punting does, this season, but you're giving away a guy who's been really yeah. good for you for most of his It just tenure. doesn't make a lot of sense to me if you plan on being more than just like in the race in 2024. So we all agree, let's just hope Justin Steele's okay. You don't want to see yes. anybody get hurt, yes. but I can't think of a player – or an in or a possible injury to a player on the Cubs that would concern me more than I'm concerned right now about him. So hopefully he's okay yeah. and it's a big bunch of nothing and it's just a little blip on the radar. Cody, tell us about the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. Luke, the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve helping manage energy usage <laughs> and lower energy bills now and into the future. They offer a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, public sector customers of all sizes. ComEd also offers facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities, HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. Ooh, how's it work? Uh, detailed assessment plans specific to your goals, your needs, in person or virtually they can do this. Then within three to four weeks, customers get a report detailing energy efficiency projects they can work on right away each one will include an estimated energy savings cost savings project cost potential incentives and simple payback if you own a business don't wait on this for energy saving tips lighting incentives or to schedule your free facility assessment go to comed.com slash powering biz luke did you say comed.com slash powering biz that's it schedule it today you guys started talking about the combat efficiency program, uh, and then I looked at the at our lights here in the studio, power you know powered by combat, and I got like I, I almost blinded myself looking into them. <laughs> now I put on my shady rays and I can look right at them. I you know I'm good. I'm good with my shady rays on. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. They have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays of confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. From building play sets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. 
And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Love them. They're Thanks, the best. Brett, Brett says Looking nice, good, Ryan. Ryan. Thanks, appreciate it. Yeah, Very good. It was very good. Uh, happy birthday to Carlos Zambrano, number 42. Not on the jersey. It's his 42nd birthday. How about that? <sighs> My favorite part of the uh, Carlos Zambrano era was definitely whenever he threw that ball back into left field. What about the, the bucket of balls? When like, first he threw he the bucket of balls. He got thrown out. Yeah, and then he, he got thrown the, out, yeah. and then he threw the ball into the bleachers. Like, I know it was a bad moment, and he was definitely, like, trending yeah. down then, but, like... This is still my favorite. Yeah, what about the no hitter that almost nobody got to see? Like, was yeah. there almost nobody getting in Milwaukee? No hitter for sure. The no hit, the call that Link Casper had for that is one of his best mm-hmm. for sure. The old Where's water fountain and Gatorade machine. Oh yeah, I did tweet out that picture of Zambrano on Field of Dreams last year, and like everyone was like, "Hey, he looks like he, could st- he, he put him in the put him in the rotation. He looks like he could help this team." <laughs> so there's that. He had a one twenty seven WRC plus in two thousand eight. He was so fun to watch. I, that is in, I, that is incredible. Four homers. <laughs> he'd be like the third best hitter on the Cubs with that type, those type of numbers. He was Otani before Otani. He was. He's he loved hitting, man. Only different, ba- right? Baby Shohei. <laughs> baby Shohei. He's not baby anything. Uh-huh. Carlos Zambrano. He was, I was big just, Shohei. I just love the energy the guy had. Like I know that like, you know, his biggest downfall was definitely his own emotions. So basically himself. Like when things weren't going well, you knew. That he wasn't doing well, <laughs> but man, when things were going well and he had that energy, man, he was so fun. He's far and away my favorite Cubs pitcher. Like, if I had to choose one, he like as much as I love Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor, John Lester, all all the guys from '16 that that helped that team went Like, Big Z is still number one for me. I just he encapsulates everything that I loved about I love about a baseball player. When he was a, he was such Electric, a yeah. like I think underrated member of that 2003 team because yeah. obviously that team is hallmarked by Wood and Pryor and what they were doing and that was Zambrano's first full year mm-hmm. as a starter. I think he had pitched in, you know, 30 games a year before but not always as a starter. That year he started 32 games. He had a 3.1 ERA. 4.7 wins above replacement. <laughs> and at that time in 2003, he would have been, what, 22? Incredible, right? And where that team yeah, goes yeah. and all of that. And, like, just it, it, for me as someone who was 12, right, at the time, like, in my memory, that season is so much Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor, and deservedly so. But, like, then you go and as I got older, you go and look at it and dig into those numbers. Like, he was a huge part of that team that almost won the pennant. He was fun. He he was just a lot of fun. Uh, Yes, he did almost fight Derek Lee. Uh, They should have never taken him out against the Diamondbacks. Oh, I'm still mad about it. (laughs) He did fight Michael Barrett. 16 years ago today. 16 years ago today, Michael Barrett punched AJ or punched punched Zimbrano punched Barrett? Zimbrano punched Barrett. 16 years ago today. I'm going to look that up. Now you got me or, confused. Or is it I'm the gonna... AJ punch 16 years no. ago? No, no, no. That was, no, that was, that was, that was a couple, couple weeks, weeks ago, right? Yeah. Punch yeah. Barrett, 16 years ago today. Yeah. yeah. And the real damage was done in the clubhouse. The fight we saw in the dugout I, was not for, as bad as the fight that was done in a dugout. I tried players to had to be like rushing back there. You know, I think we should. I, I can't remember if it was the same incident or not, but like I think we should have gotten like a 
pinata of a Gatorade cooler, each taking some <laughs> swings at it with Cody's beer bat to celebrate, you know, when Zermano did that. Birthday. The Gatorade coolers, man, the, the fights with the Gatorade. Oh, God. I wasn't. I, he wasn't perfect, but man, he was—he's just awesome. We stinks. <laughs> we uh, stinks. Yes. That was my favorite Zambrano moment of all time. Um, <laughs> I wasn't happy with him when he took out the the old drinking fountain in the old dugout because it was the coldest water in the history of the world. I mean, it was outrageously cold to the point where like your teeth hurt. But it was so great on a hot day. You go down and after a game, get a drink from that. And there he takes a bat to it. Come on, Z. <laughs> uh, all right. They faced, real quickly, the Padres, Angels, and Giants. Four with the Tiny Padres, rocket. three with the Angels, three with the Giants. How tough is this road trip? Well, listen, well, the, the Padres, Padres are underachieving. Yeah, yeah. The Padres aren't. They haven't done a lot of anything Don't lately, let right? them get right. We can't yeah. keep doing that. I don't want to be that team. I don't want to be the team that gets teams right. And they, and they did win two We didn't let three. the Mets do that. They so. did win two or three uh, when San Diego came to yeah. – uh, Beautiful historic Wrigley Field. So, ideally, I mean, I'd take a split out of this, but you know, they, you know, Stroh's going to pitch in, in this series too. So, like, you know, I, you feel good about at least one of them, and, and uh, I think Smiley will be able to pitch in it as well. But yeah, everyone that yeah. pretty much everyone that wasn't Steel is right. pitching this yeah. series. Yeah, so you know, obviously the the start that Tyone will have will be up in the air. But like Corey said, I. We haven't since it was a weekend game. We didn't get we we haven't really got to talk about Tyone's last start, but I thought that he pitched. It was probably the best appearance he had had since like his third start of the year against the Dodgers. So I'm hoping, like Corey said, that we that they, he builds off that. But I do think that the Padres are just really underachieving right now, and so it, like Corey said, don't get a, it can't be a get right series for them. Like take advantage of the fact that they're not playing well. Um, yeah, I mean, when I think we'll see the the hardest part, um, and I believe I looked at this correctly. Like the hardest part of this trip is that it's consecutive, right? Mm-hmm. There's no off days oh. while they're out there on the West. Um, you know, historically, right? Like it's a tough thing to go out there. You're playing in different time zones, different teams, um, and it's it's a weird spot, right? Because I think generally, you go on a trip like this, you play 10 straight days on the West Coast, you feel like, as our pal Niren says in the chat, like five and five, you take that, you know, this team kind of needs more than that, right? Yeah. Like, maybe not immediately, but again, like I'm reading on Twitter today, Jeff Passan is talking about the Cubs trading Stroman, trading Bellinger. It's not like we're like inventing that kind of dialogue out of thin air, right? Like Jed talked about it to you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a real conversation. So, you know... You I feel still, good about going five and five and, and not falling any any yeah. worse. And really, honestly, going five and five for the next 10 days, they might gain three games in the NL Central, right, with the way things are going in that division. Yeah. But I, overall, like, this team just needs to play consistently better baseball. I know that yeah. sounds like an obvious thing to say, but even in that Rays series for taking two or three, the offense still struggled against some good Rays pitching, but still struggled and got huge pitching performances out of Marcus Stroman, Kyle Hendricks, Hayden Wisniewski in relief, et cetera. So they just need to start playing better baseball. They need yeah. to be winning games, and if they, you know, that's the type of analysis. I, I know the for, offense wasn't so. there the first two games against the Rays, but like if they get that kind of pitching or anything close to that kind of pitching, and the way that they were able to manufacture the runs in those two games, you feel pretty good. I mean, again... 
the Rays held them down, but they're the Rays. But they were yeah. still able to get runs when they outside of Nico hitting that homer, of course. But you know, even yesterday, power when, hitter now. <laughs> even yeah, even yesterday, despite the fact they lost that game, they they manufactured some runs with runners in scoring position and even with two outs yesterday. So I know, yeah, I, I'm still pissed about yesterday's game, but it was a game that you were like, wow, the, we haven't seen a lot of this in a while. I even said I said on yesterday's show they stole two bases in the first inning. Nico walks, he stole a base. Like we hadn't seen a lot of that at all over the month of May. So. It's a new month. Hopefully they they they, they got to get it going, man. And unlike what you said about the f- five and five, like I'll I'll take five and five because it's still early enough to where they don't absolutely have to win ten out of thirteen sure. right away. Yeah, absolutely, I I will take that. They've been so bad on the road. That's another thing. They got to play better on the road if 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 they're going to be around uh, five hundred. You know by. Uh, you know, by the end of the month or anything, just moving forward, they 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 just simply have to play better on the road. I'd like to see Steele get a good report from the doctor and the Cubs bunt less in the oh, next yeah. couple of series as well. Uh, thanks for coming in today, Corey. You guys have the next podcast live on Sunday. Sunday, and I believe we have a four thirty start against the Padres, so we'll be on early, early evening. All, All right, another late one. Look and forward to it. I think. Me and Ryan are going to Iowa tomorrow. <laughs> Could be happening. It, it, Look out, Cam We didn't Sanders, get to go coming. last time. It's still kind of up in the air. I'm sorry that we can't. We didn't really get to give anyone ahead time ahead of notice. But you'll I, tweet it out if you're I, going. Yeah, like I, I think we're going. Follow us on Twitter. So yeah, yeah, we got our. Uh, if you're out in Iowa, friend of the chat, Gerard, uh, was telling me he's going to be out there in San Diego and nice. Anaheim. I think oh, the yeah. Cubs are lined up to see uh, Shohei Otani. So. Ooh. I don't know. Him. I don't know how that game is going to go, but what I do want, and you know, maybe if the producers at Marquee are listening, maybe if Saya goes to talk to him, maybe get a Video. mic in there, maybe a yep. camera yep. over there, like Saya, you got to start doing some work, man. Like we we need it. So <laughs> you want a frontline starting pitcher? There he is. There you go. So. Gerard should. Uh, I know he's got gear. Make yeah. sure you wear one of our shirts. Tweet get a picture. Us. Tweet it at us. We'll definitely retweet it. And then probably look at it and smile a little bit because that's awesome. <laughs> that would be sweet if you wore the CHGO shirt. Yeah. Tweeted it to at us at the and game, man. Guys, spread the word. There's there's plenty of Cubs fans out on the West Coast. Thanks yeah. for checking out the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app, use promo code CHGO. And until next time, of course, fly the W.